0: i wise. Yeah, well, you're half right. Is this, this is gonna be huge. I believe this is gonna be our finest hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems.
1: Welcome to the alleged show. It's time to go home on a Monday. It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Big hour because on Monday's 5 o'clock hour, we've got our 15 minutes with Fish. Don Fisher, legendary Hall of Fame voice of the Hoosiers, will be joining us coming up about 17 minutes from now. Uh, Of course, our Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862, it has been hopping today. And we're trying to keep up and get as many responses as we can and try to read as many of the texts as uh, we can that we're receiving. Did have a couple of people not take us up on my trade offer. Yeah, they're not interested. No, but somebody wants... Shaq Leonard.
2: Yeah, someone said the best deal for the Bears trading the Colts pick is Shaq Leonard
1: for the first overall pick. Take him. Take him. You can have him. I thought you'd be more more enticed by Quentin Nelson, but if you'd like to take Shaquille Leonard with his questionable back, you can have him. question is, if you put him through a physical, I'm not sure he'll pass it, but um, I... I you know, that's the thing. I don't know what the future is with Shaquille Leonard, but for the Colts' sake, they could easily get rid of Shaquille Leonard because Zaire Franklin's been terrific this year. I mean, he's had a pro bowl caliber year. He just wasn't selected to play in the flag football game that they're having. Uh, but uh, but he certainly deserved it. He, uh, he's been, uh, he, you know, the among bright spots for the Colts, and there's not many, Zaire Franklin has been one of them. Because he stepped in, not expected to play that position and played it almost the entire season and played at a really high level. Now, speaking of stepping in, Jeff Saturday, when he came in as the interim to take over for Frank Reich, one thing Jeff Saturday told us is he would be the first one that would be able to tell us it ain't working. Well, guess what, Jeff? I don't know if you've taken a look at the record that you've accumulated. I don't know if you've taken a look at giving up a 33 to nothing halftime lead. I don't know if you looked at giving up 33 fourth quarter points to get blown out at Dallas. I don't know if you happen to notice that in front of a home crowd, the Houston Texans who had every reason to lose and keep the number one pick in the draft, actually found a way to embarrass your football team further and get a touchdown by converting two long fourth down conversions and getting a two-point try and beating you at Lucas Oil Stadium to end the season. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious what direction the Colts need to go and if you forgot what Jeff Saturday had to say before he started this path as the interim coach, let's take you back. Here's the deal, man. None of us are promised a good job. I may be terrible at this. And after eight games, I'll say, God bless you. I am no good. I may be really good at it. I got no idea. But I dang sure ain't going back down. I can tell you that. I mean, listen, if life ain't an adventure, it ain't for nothing. It ain't for me. He basically said, if, uh, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be the first one to admit it. And uh, it's time, Jeff, to admit it. Yeah. You know what he actually said? No. To the media oh. was he believes he deserves. I saw that. To return as the full-time head coach. What did you do, Jeff. What do you hang your hat on? What's what's on the cover letter? What's on the resume for head coaching position that you are so proud of that is this great accomplishment that has given you what you believe, the confidence to get this job full-time? It, it doesn't seem even fathomable that, uh, that Jeff Saturday would be the full-time pick. But here we are, Black Monday. Already we know Cliff Kling. Cliff Kingsbury is done in Arizona. Yep, um, the uh, general manager also gone in Arizona. They're cleaning house, starting right, over. Right. Uh, we know that Lovey Smith from the Houston Texans. He didn't. They didn't wait to Black Monday. No,
2: there was. I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of conspiracy theorying about that one. That the the upper office and uh texans told him to tie the game and then he went and won it with the
1: two-point conversion so you think the reason it happened so fast was because he blew it i think it's because by winning
2: yeah i think he went against orders um could have been that's just my conspiracy theory i mean he could have said hey uh you know what i'm a coach who cares about
1: football players and the players wanted to win and it's very hard to go to the players and say no we're taking the tie if they want to go for it might have happened and he's in a position in his career where he could probably stick his nose up to upper management. Yeah, absolutely. And say, you know what? I'm a coach. I don't go down there to lose or to tie. Because a tie would have still given them the number one pick. Right. With the Bears loss. 46862 is Parview Sports Madison text line. 46862. What is next now for the Colts? You've got to think. Number one, Chris Ballard. What has he done to keep his job? <laughs> There's somebody that's going to have to rebuild this roster, and most of that rebuild is going to be to make up for the mistakes that Chris Ballard has made, right? You've got, it's kind of like you made a mess of it. Now somebody else has to come in and clean it up. I don't know that Chris Ballard's capable of, first of all, identifying his mistakes because he stood by his guys throughout the four years. The receiving core stood by them. Uh, the offensive line has stood by them and has rewarded them in many cases with contracts. And so I don't know that Chris Ballard can look at this objectively and actually believe I've made a mistake here. This guy's not as good as I projected them to be. Um, I, I think we're at a point where where he's got to go. He, I mean, Chris Ballard has to has to move on. You've got to find somebody to come in. And lead the personnel, put together a roster that is better than the one that Chris Ballard assembled, that actually addresses the wide receiver position, uh, that somehow fixes the payroll problem that you've got with your offensive line. However you handle that, you're overpaying an offensive line that's underproducing, and you've got to be able to correct that, because you'll never be able to get the wide receiver you need, or maybe even pay... Uh, a veteran quarterback, if that's something that you think might be in your future. 46862 is the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. So the playoffs are set. Yeah. And um, they'll get started Saturday in the NFC Wild Card round. The Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. San Fran beat them both times this year, right? I believe so. This will be the third meeting because they are divisional opponents. In fact, you've got a couple of divisional matchups in the uh, wildcard round. That'll be in Santa Clara, California, 430 kickoff on Fox. And then the night game is an NBC Saturday night primetime special with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This, might be, this actually might be the best game of the weekend. Yeah, it could. I look at this schedule, and I would, I mean, Dallas-Tampa, you've not. got teams that can be really good or really bad. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that could be a stinker. It could be a classic. Uh,
1: the Cowboys laid a complete egg yesterday. Yeah. Against uh, Washington. Yeah. But, but you've got the Chargers and Jacksonville at Jacksonville as TIAA Bank Field gets to host a playoff game. And Jacksonville may be one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I kind of like Jacksonville.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I filled out a playoff bracket. I took Jacksonville.
1: You did. Yeah. I, I just checked your bracket. Yeah, you did.
2: I, I stuck it up on the wall there.
1: <laughs> uh, Sunday games start at uh, the Bills with them hosting the Miami Dolphins. That's a divisional matchup. Uh, I don't think Buffalo will have too much Difficulty with Miami. And then New York Giants. New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings. That'll be in Minneapolis. That will be the Fox game. CBS has the Dolphins' bill. What I'm, are you doing to me?
2: I'm not doing anything. Your on, mic you're, keeps cutting out. Voodoo,
1: voodoo? I promise I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Messing with me. Uh, the Giants, Minnesota Vikings in Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm going to try. Okay, let's try that. I'm going to try this one there. Oh, what I sound really. <laughs> I my voice gets deeper on this microphone. Might have to stick with this one. Might have to stick on mic three. Uh, anyway, uh, what did we, we just. Okay, so we've got the New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings. I might be repeating myself, but I don't know what was on the air and what wasn't. Because the microphone kept cutting in and out. This, You know, by the way, the studio is falling apart. Mildly. Uh, hope <laughs> we can get to the new one in time. Before we discern, before we just have no mics anymore,
2: broadcasting from a pile of rubble here.
1: Yeah, we're talking. You just can't hear us. (laughs) Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals will be the Sunday night game in Cincinnati. If that sounds familiar, yeah, they just played yesterday. Yeah. And we still don't know if uh, Jackson's going to be available to go for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, If you talk to him, he'll indicate that he's going to be ready. But those around the organization who have been willing to speak to reporters have said doubtful. Uh, we'll see. I still think the Bengals, regardless of whether he plays or not, I think the Bengals win at home. And then you've got the Cowboys. Buccaneers will be the Monday night game, 8:15 on ESPN and ABC television. So uh, once again, starts with Seattle, San Francisco, Saturday, 4:30 on Fox. Saturday night, NBC with the Chargers and the Jaguars. On Sunday, by the way, one of my pet peeves, Jaguars. Jaguars. It's the Jaguars, right? Yeah. Jaguar, or, or if you listen to the British uh, with the car, it's Jaguar. The Jaguar. Jaguar. Um, Dolphins. Bill starts things on Sunday as part of a triple header. One o'clock at four thirty. It is the Giants and the Vikings and the 8:15 game on NBC is uh, the Ravens Bengals and once again the Monday night game Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine Text line 46862 got to give away some Shrine Circus tickets all right you ever go to the Shrine Circus I think I went once as a child I went uh, both generations as a child and then also taking my kids to the circus um Different perspective. You now. You said you went. You went to the circus, or, or did you not go to the circus? Because you said something yesterday about being afraid of clowns, or Friday being afraid of clowns.
2: I think I didn't like the clowns. Um, I remember they have the. You know how they have the little circus fair, like separate from the circus. Where, yeah, in the basement yeah. where you can
1: ride the animals, and
2: I think that kind of freaked me out.
1: Really? And I don't know why. because um, I remember going to the circus as a kid. Yeah. We went uh, every year. Now, we always went to a night performance. Huh. Uh, they used to have the Thursday night performance. And I think because we were a poor family <laughs> growing up, I think we went on Thursday because it was a cheaper ticket to go yeah. on the weeknight performance. Sure. And so I think that's why we went on Thursdays, although my parents never admitted that to me. Um, <laughs> but we would usually go and see the circus on like Thursday night when it opened. And. Um, And so, and now I think it's just a Friday, Saturday, Sunday circus. I don't think they do the Thursdays anymore, but uh, we've got what do we have? Shrine Circus tickets? Yep. Is this a four pack? Yep. Wow. It's like a family four pack. Family four pack to the Mitzvah Shrine Circus. And uh, so, what do we want to do? Let's take a caller. We haven't done that in a while. So, we will go ahead and take caller number six. We'll get a four-pack of tickets to the Paw Shrine Circus. That comes up in a couple of weeks. Do they have the dates on that, when the circus is coming to the Coliseum? Uh, I think it's like two weeks away. I think it's like the, is it the 26th, 27th, 28th? Is that right? I'm, I'm guessing. 27th through 29th. 27th through 29th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. So we've got a four-pack of tickets. If you'd like to win, go ahead and call us. Did I say caller six? Okay, caller number six is going to be the winner of the four-pack of tickets. 447-8500. That's 447-8500. 260 area code. 447-8500. You could win Right now, call. Don Fisher comes up next. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And we're back on this Monday edition of the Sports Rush. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. And every week at this time, it is our pleasure to welcome the Hall of Fame voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher. It is officially our 15 Minutes with Fish. Presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. But Don, is like going to two different plays this week and having the same result, uh, a couple of different scripts, but unfortunately for the Hoosiers, a couple of losses on games. They kind of felt like going into the week, maybe these two games were winnable games, but what we learned after all is said and done is they were also losable games.
0: Well, that's no question. Uh, there's little doubt we thought they were going to be winnable ball games, but uh, the doubt comes when you can't win either one, and now you're finding yourself with uh, five losses on the season for a team that most people thought had a good chance uh, to have a, a run at the Big Ten championship. And unfortunately, right now it looks like they have no chance if they continue to play like they're playing, because defensive performances have really limited their ability to get wins here in the last two ball games. And we talk about. Iowa, first of all, because they had a 13-day layoff after the holidays, as you know, and and literally had a lot of opportunity to work on things. And against Iowa in the first half, man, it looked like they really had done some, some really great work at the offensive end of the floor. They had a 21-point lead uh, in that contest. Uh, I think that took place with about 13 and a half minutes to go in the first half. They got a 21 point lead. They let it slip to 10 by halftime. And of course, with about four and a half minutes to go in the half, they lost Ray Thompson to an injury uh, with a knee problem. And he went to the sidelines and did not come back. And by halftime, Iowa had cut the lead down to 10. Indiana scored 50 first half points, but they allowed 40 to Iowa. And then in the second half, uh, Iowa just basically continued to work hard at the offensive end of the floor. Uh, Indiana fell off a little bit from an offensive standpoint, and now you've got a battle right down to the end. And, of course, it wasn't helped by the fact that um, with Thompson's absence out there, they just didn't have, to have an answer for Chris Murray because he went off. He had seven points when Trace or Race Thompson was uh, guarding him in the first half. Uh, as soon as race left the ball game with that injury, um, he, he scores another a cup, couple of uh, baskets before halftime. He ends up with nine uh, points at the half and then in the second half, he went crazy. He shot he had 30 points for the ball game on not obviously 21 of those coming in the second half of the contest. So without doubt, uh, Indiana's defense really suffered in the second half. They did not play well at that end of the floor, and you could argue that they didn't play all that well in the last, you know, seven or eight minutes of the first half as well. So this is a basketball team right now. When you compound it with the Northwestern loss, that Indiana's in real trouble with their defensive play. And I'll give you a statistic here, Brett, that kind of shows you where Indiana's at from a defensive standpoint. In their five losses... In four of those losses, they've given up 84 points twice, 87, and 91. Wow. You can't you can't beat anybody if you're giving up that many points in ballgames. So no, especially. That, that's where the problem lies.
1: Especially against a Northwestern team that wasn't even averaging 70 points a contest and uh, made them look like the Showtime Lakers. Um, Don, I, I want to talk a little bit about the loss of Race Thompson and uh, also the absence of Xavier jo- uh, Johnson because... A lot of fans may not realize what they bring to the defensive end, but having that guard that can line up against the other team's best guard or best point guard, and then having that forward that is also your best defensive matchup um, among the bigs, uh, I mean, those are two pretty important guys. How big of an absence is it to have those guys out?
0: Well, it's huge. Uh, We probably wouldn't have said that uh, back in late November or early December. And we wouldn't have said that at that point. Why? Because Malik Renew was playing terrific. And it looked like this freshman was going to come in and he was going to be a factor um, all season long. But it has not worked out that way. He has started to struggle. We thought Jordan Geronimo even might even be a starter this year. Uh, or have a chance at starting and certainly would be a key player coming off the bench he has not flourished uh, with his play so far this season and so what we talked about early in the year with xavier and with uh with race thompson and and this team was how much depth they had well the depth is frittered away really quickly uh with guys not showing up and playing like they did early on in the season now i'm Part of the, their success early was perhaps because they weren't playing some of the greatest competition, but still, these guys were factors. I mean, Malik Renew played really well against Xavier in that big win down in, in Cincinnati. So you, you thought this guy's going to be a factor all season long. Well, he kind of plateaued as a freshman. Um, it started to lose confidence a little bit, and even though he had a couple of he had an eight point game, I think against Northwestern yesterday. Uh, he has still not looked like the same guy. And without Race Thompson in the lineup, without a guy that's a six-year player, with has that experience, that toughness, knows what he's doing out there, um, and can knock down a three every now and then, Uh, you're losing one of the key guys in your basketball team. And likewise, Xavier Johnson, everybody knows he was probably Indiana's best uh, guard defender last year. No question about that. He was the toughest guy on the team. Um, He was a presence uh, with his quickness and his athleticism on top of that. When he was playing well, his shooting ability. So you're looking at uh, a team that has really started to uh, uh, spiral downhill Without those two guys in the lineup, then the Northwestern game was just another incident. So that scenario.
1: Offensively, you've got to take care of the basketball. Indiana turned it over too often, but one of the stats that really jumps off the sheet for me in the Northwestern game is that Northwestern had uh, 14 steals. And you know, you, you have those live ball turnovers and Northwestern was making IU pay and one of the the biggest culprits I guess in yesterday's game was Jalen Hood Shafino who turned it over six times.
0: Yep, I mean, he had a terrific game from an offensive standpoint. He scored 33 points, but he turned it over six times. That was a major factor uh, in the ball game. And they, Northwestern scored 25 points off of those 16 turnovers. Uh, Northwestern had seven turnovers. Indiana scored only six. So what's that differential? That's 19-point differential on turnovers alone. That's something that you cannot overcome very easily, and Indiana certainly didn't. Now, the game was a one point game at the end, but it really wasn't quite that close because, uh, Hood Shafino knocked in a three, uh, a late three from downtown that was really kind of a lucky shot. Um, and, and really he was, he basically took over the game toward the end offensively because nobody else could get shots to fall but again he played terrific at the offensive end but not so much on the on the handling the basketball aspect of it And without question the turnovers were the difference in that ball game.
1: You know if before the season talking about what Indiana needed to be to be a good basketball team, <clears throat> one of the things that we kind of felt was if they could shoot the three because they had the inside play and they actually shot the three really well. Where is this team at offensively?
0: Well, they've they've got enough. They've scored enough points offensively. So they're doing what they need to do from an offensive standpoint, in my opinion. There's just no doubt about that. The the problem is at the defensive end of the floor. And my belief is this, Brett, and I think I've said this to you before, but Bob Knight used to say the most important five minutes of any basketball game are the first five minutes to the second half. If you don't, if you don't put out the intensity level and the toughness level in those five minutes of period of time in each half, you're not going to probably win the ball game because it sets the tone for the rest of the half. The teams go into locker rooms at halftime and they come out and oftentimes, and we've seen this with Indiana a lot, they don't have the same intensity level as they did in the first half, and all of a sudden the other team gets back in it. Well. Right now, this Indiana ball club is struggling to have that intensity level in either half of a ball game. And that's where I think the problem lies with this ball club right now. They get off to slow starts often. They didn't against Iowa, but nevertheless, they let it fritter away uh, by halftime. And then in the second half, Iowa just kind of took over the game. Uh, you can't let those kinds of things happen. So this is a focus it's a toughness it's a mental thing more than anything else and when i talk about toughness i'm not talking about fighting i'm talking you know literally fighting i'm talking about the toughness in your mind to play hard to battle and never say die and this team is not doing that right now.
1: Indiana moves on, and what is the story? I know how Indiana is uh, pretty quiet about injuries. Yeah. Race Thompson, is there any idea what his status is going to be moving forward?
0: Here's what I can tell you, and and Brett, this is the this is factual. Uh, it is not a tear, so that's the good news. Uh, they keep saying it's a lower leg injury. Well. <laughs> Sounds they like a hockey ice, team. I, they have ice on the knee. Uh, so it's obviously a knee injury, right? So there's a knee problem here. But it's not a tear based on what I've been told. Uh, so he is going to be out indefinitely. But uh, and when you talk to people that would be around that, and they say it's, if it's a sprain or a strain, uh, it's likely to be a two- to four-week scenario. Uh, if he is out that long and Xavier is you know, probably not going to come back anytime soon either. We, I would love to see him come back the first week of February, and I think that's a possibility for race as well. It just depends on his rehab, how, how hard he works at his rehab, uh, getting in and getting treatment every single day and working on this thing. But those guys could be back by either early February or mid-February at the latest. Uh, and if they get both of them back, they would be there for the stretch run. But will there be a stretch run at this point if they continue to lose? And this week, of course, they've got Penn State, who's playing terrific basketball this year. They had a tough loss to Penn, to Purdue this uh, past weekend. But nevertheless, uh, Micah Shrewsbury's done a terrific job with that program. And you can bet they're going to give Indiana all they can handle with a veteran ball club and a couple of new faces that have helped them. And then they've got and that's on the road, and then they got Wisconsin at home on Saturday. So this is going to be a real challenging week for this Indiana basketball team, and then you bounce back and you got Illinois and Michigan State after that the following week. How do you so match Indiana up? Indiana could be in real trouble.
1: How do you match up against Jalen Pickett? This guy might be one of the best underpublicized guys in college basketball.
0: You're right. Uh, he surprised me last year. I had never heard of the kid until, he, of course, he transfers into Penn State. Uh, never heard of him, uh, but he was a real factor for him a year ago. This year, he is just basically the key guy to their whole program, and he is playing just some- Tremendous basketball. Hood is a six-six point guard. And I would bet money that he'll be on Jalen Pickett trying to slow him down. But that's going to be a challenge because they have a really good basketball team.
1: Look forward to it, Don. Always appreciate the time. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next Monday.
0: Brett, thanks for having me. Yep, that
1: is Don Fisher joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. And, of course, our 15 Minutes with Fish brought to you, as always, by Cruzy Automotive Service. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We've got plenty more coming up on the other side. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Always good to have Fish with us every Monday. Our 15 Minutes with Fish presented by Cruzy Automotive Service. Of course, our Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Busy today for a Monday. Everybody wants to weigh in with their thoughts on the Indianapolis Colts, their embarrassment. Now, where the Colts go from here? Does it start at the top? And when I say the top, it's not going to be Jim Ursay. Jim Ursay owns the company. Yeah. Okay. He can have whatever role he wants. He cannot go away he cannot be fired. He cannot be replaced. Uh, so Jim Ursay is a constant. But when you say going to the top, that's a reference to Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. Does Chris Ballard need to go for the Colts to move forward from where they're at right now? Um, also, is it if the Colts had a different quarterback? And, and I hate to bring up Andrew Luck, but let's just say, <laughs> yeah, if this team had Andrew Luck, How bad would it be? How good would it be? In other words, were the Colts a player away, two players away, or a complete roster mess from being a potential playoff team? In some ways, if you had the right quarterback, this roster might have been a playoff team.
2: Maybe. Uh, I was going to say you'd certainly need someone that can avoid the pass rush. The, the biggest problem was the
1: offensive line. Right. They got Jonathan Taylor hurt. They got like three quarterbacks banged up. Yeah. By the way, I want to ask about Sam Ellinger. Because you remember I kept saying all year, you've got to give him a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Right? That playing against the New England Patriots was not a fair shot. Because... They, yeah. the Patriots just blew right by the Colts' offensive line, never even got touched. And so everybody was coming in totally cleanly on Sam Ellinger. It created a rather long day for Sam Ellinger against New England. But I said, you know, Matt Ryan's had those kind of days, too. And he's a veteran that's been through 15 years of experience dealing with it. So um, Sam Ellinger yesterday. To me, I think he showed that he could be a capable backup. I don't know that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's certainly not a guy that would be uh, a guy that you think would lift other players around him and make them better. But I think he could be a guy that would be serviceable as a number two, a QB two. What did you think?
2: Yeah, I think that, I mean he's he's serviceable. That's the word that I would use to describe him. He's he's serviceable. You can plug him in if you need to, but athletic,
1: smart. Yeah. He can make he can make reads. I mean part of the QB two yeah. is to just be able work to work with QB one, yeah. right? To be smart enough. And so brains because you're almost a, a second coach.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh and so I, I I thought, you know, he to me, he showed enough that I think he could have a place in the roster and you could be confident in him as a number two. You wouldn't need a Nick Foles as your backup. Of course, the Colts brought in Nick Foles because they weren't confident that because they thought that that time that this was a playoff team. And, yeah. of course, fell far short from expectations. Um, 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line lot happening, of course, tonight. College football championship game. Yeah, we're I getting see real the close. The Georgia bus that's uh, pulling into the stadium. Yeah, we're under two hours now. I'm all over, TCU. I got the Bulldogs. Well, I've got the points. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, the, you're doing the gambling. A couple I'm- of touchdowns, I'll take it. In a championship game, I'll take it. If Georgia wins it by more than two touchdowns, more power to them. But... You know, the the thought of having to cover two touchdowns in a championship game. I don't know. I and think, it wasn't like Georgia looked invincible against Ohio State. And TCU looked pretty good moving the football against a good Michigan defense. I could see it being like 50 to 30, Georgia. That would be a problem for me. Yeah. That would be a problem. Uh, I'd like it to stay lower scoring. 30 to 27, 27 20, because obviously the more points that are scored, the more chance you have of covering the 14 points.
2: Yeah, let's throw it out to the text line too. What do you guys uh, have going on? What are your predictions for Who this? What are you going uh, with tonight?
1: Georgia TCU game. 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. College basketball over the weekend, we talked to Fish about Indiana. Yeah. And uh boy, they I tell you they are really close. They're struggling <laughs> to being 1 and 5 by the end of the week. Uh, they are struggling. And, of course, with the injuries, Race Thompson, that is a significant loss for Indiana. Yeah. Because they haven't had anybody in that position that has really stepped up. Jordan Geronimo has been kind of a disappointment this far in the season. Um, point guard Jalen Hood-Shifino yeah, is a scoring machine. Yeah. I mean, he hit some shots. The only problem is he turned the ball over six times. You can't have your point guard giving it up six times. And a lot of the point guard turnovers are what? High half court, stealing passes, or getting the dribble. And when you give it up, high half court, it generally leads to a breakaway where it's, uh, as we say in hockey, an odd man rush. And it can be finished easily with the slam dunk or the finish layup or the and one. And uh, and that's what Northwestern did. I mean, Northwestern put up points that they don't normally score. I think they've had like three games all year where they've scored 84 points or more. 84-83 84-83 was the final, and it was actually an 83 or 84 to 80 game when Trey Galloway threw in a three-quarter court shot. Oh
2: man, that was—I mean, I know it meant nothing, but it, it was, meant
1: nothing. It was cool because they had made the first free throw. Yeah. Um, if he had missed the free throw, ooh, ooh, wouldn't that have been something to send into overtime that way? Uh, the Boilermakers, though, I—you know—I thought that there might be a chance. Mm-hmm. Just a chance that they could still hold on to number one despite the loss. I thought so, too. I thought there might be a chance. I mean, think about it. If if they did not play Rutgers and you go on the road and you get wins at Ohio State and at Penn State, although it was at the Palestra, but it's considered a Penn State home game, Mm -hmm. those are two tough road wins. And Purdue showed a lot of maturity bouncing back from that Rutgers loss and winning at Ohio State, having to come from behind to do it, and then... They uh, they thoroughly handled the best that Penn State could throw at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you this, though. Jalen Pickett is going to be a guy that, that Indiana is going to have their hands full with. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have Xavier Johnson. And without Johnson, their best defensive player, I don't know who guards Jalen Pickett. I'm assuming it's going to be Jalen hood shafino But I would think that's going to be a little bit of a mismatch. Because uh, Pickett is big, strong and uh, a, a tough guard 10 for 17 against Purdue's defense three for four from distance three for three at the line he had nine rebounds he had eight assists he mm. had 26 points what a what, what a, a game what a stat line. and they lost yeah and they got beat by 13 points
2: we got our first prediction for tcu georgia on our text line four six eight six two someone said 30 to 17 georgia
1: uh, I would be fine with that, that, that because way, yeah. I got I got my points. I'm okay if Georgia wins as long as I cover. There you go. Uh, 46862, Perfume Sports Medicine text line. Zach Eady, another huge game for the Boilermakers. Man. You cannot stop him. You can only hope to contain him, and Penn State couldn't do much of either. <laughs> 30 points, 13 rebounds, 6 offensive rebounds for Zach Eadie. Uh, in the win for the Boilermakers. Braden Smith was terrific. Yeah. What a freshman point guard. We we thought this was the downfall of Purdue, was they didn't have a good point guard on the roster, and we didn't know if David Jenkins was going to be the answer. We did not expect Braden Smith to be what he has been. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he's smart. He positions the ball well, takes care of it. Uh, yeah, uh, Against Penn State, one turnover. With seven assists, so yeah. With seven assists, yeah. <laughs> um so and he had a block block shot come on yeah um 15 points good good game for Braden smith Fletcher your lawyer another 17 point outing on what? four yeah. of seven from distance exactly uh so purdue ends up uh getting the two wins after the loss to rutgers purdue sitting 15 and one on the year Four and one in Big Ten play. Mastodons dropped one at home on Saturday, kind of disappointing. It's a good Milwaukee team. They're now five and one. Yeah, leading the uh, Horizon League as they're eleven and five overall. Mastodons eleven and six, three and the, three in the Horizon. And you know, I, I you always get I always get disappointed in in these losses. But first of all, Don's will get another shot at. Uh, Get another shot at Milwaukee in Milwaukee coming up later in the season. But, uh, you know, you look at the Mastodons' non conference schedule and some of the wins they've got and how those teams are doing. Southern Miss, the Dons lost, but they did play Southern Miss, and they're 14 and 3, leading the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, SIUE, they're 12 and 5. They're 3 and 1 in the Ohio Valley, leading the Ohio Valley Conference. Dons have a win over SIUE. Don's have a big win over Texas A&M Commerce is two and one in the Southland Conference. You've got Missouri State, who the Don's won at Missouri State. They're four and two and in second place right now in the Missouri Valley. Northwestern saw what they did to Indiana. Don's were right in that game. It was a one point game with yeah. like three minutes left. Don's ended up losing sixty to fifty two, but that was uh, the what twenty six or twenty eight from Boo Bowie. <laughs> yeah. Kind of went off against the Mastodons. Um, and the Dons lost at Michigan. Michigan's now 3-1 and one in Big Ten play. So, uh, really tough schedule. But the Dons will take on IUPUI down in Indianapolis on Thursday night.
2: Just got another text. Uh, looks like one of our listeners is seeing signs as he's out and about. He says, or he or she, excuse me, after just seeing a lady walking two English Bulldogs in my neighborhood oh. and me being a UGA alum... Bulldogs 48, TCU 18. Ooh,
1: that comes from Mike. Man, I guess each bulldog was worth 24 points, huh? <laughs> I uh, I got TCU. We'll see. I I don't know. I'm
2: really worried. I, think. I
1: I'm taking the points. I know that I know this. When I sit down at 8:15 or whatever time, what time does the game start? 7:30. 7:30. When I sit down at 7:30, front of my television set, mm-hmm. I've got a 13 and a half point lead. Because I took the points. <laughs> Four six eight six two is the Parfum Sports Medicine text line. Four six eight six two. Let us know who you've got tonight in the national championship game. Four six eight six two. Busy day, a lot of happening on the uh, yeah on the Colts front. Of course, uh, no changes so far. Nope. Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday still general manager and head coach interim, but. Nothing has changed at this point, nope. so we'll see where it goes. Although we did learn that uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to have a virtual interview with the Denver Broncos this week. Mm-hmm. Sean Payton had a lengthy talk on TV yesterday about his conversations with Denver. Uh, you know, I remember where I said Sean Payton will be at the end of the season because the Chargers are going to go into Jacksonville and they're going to get a uh, uh, embarrassing loss somehow. And Brandon Staley is going to somehow be the the, the culprit, uh, uh, the, uh, the fall guy, maybe, um, on the Chargers falling short of expectations. Because I still think that if the Chargers have the opportunity to hire Sean Payton, that they will hire him as their coach. And so I have said, Sean Payton to the Chargers, Sharpie.
2: You know what we didn't even touch on? The Packers lost and are eliminated from the playoffs, and Rodgers could be done in Green Bay. Yeah,
1: and uh, the Detroit Lions that had was an- to take the field, already eliminated.
2: Yes, and they still did. still
1: beat the Packers.
2: Still beat the Packers, and that was an embarrassing loss for the Packers
1: with your players acting like hooligans and uh, just... Not- I'm with the crowd, by the way. Dan Campbell, I thought he was kind of a joke. Really? You know, breaking people's kneecaps and all this stuff <laughs> that he was throwing out there. Uh, I thought he was a little bit of a, of a rah-rah guy. Without a lot of substance. But I'll tell you what, the team has played for him. And uh, they finished the season 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So we'll see where it goes from here with the Detroit Lions.
2: One more answer for our uh, game prediction. It's Mr. Vegas. He's thinking Georgia 37-17. to 17.
1: Oh, Mr. Vegas, you're breaking my heart. because uh, Could we make it 37-24, Mr. <laughs> Vegas, please? <laughs> Oh, man, come on. Give me another touchdown somewhere or or take one off of Georgia. Uh, We'll take a break. We'll be back. It's a sports rush at 1380. The fan and 100.9 FM. You know, ever since we had Ball State coach Michael Lewis on the program, they have not lost a game. I think we have brought luck to the uh, Ball State Cardinals. They beat Akron over the weekend 70 to 63 after getting a road win against Toledo 90 to 83 last week. Ball State now seven straight wins and they are 2 and 0 in the MAC and they've got a road game, a tough one against Ohio in Athens coming up on uh, tomorrow night. That does it for us on this Monday edition of the Sports Rush. Big thanks to the guests, Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files, and, of course, Don Fisher with our 15 Minutes with Fish. Back tomorrow on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.